The History with Jackson podcast. Hello and welcome to the History with Jackson podcast and welcome to the Catherine of Aragon Festival special series in partnership with Peterborough Cathedral and Peterborough Museum. Now this special series is looking and covering the Catherine of Aragon Festival. We will be speaking to some of the historians who are giving Tudor-focused talks and tours around Peterborough and Peterborough Cathedral. We'll also be speaking to some of the amazing living historians who are reenacting parts of Catherine's life. This festival commemorates Catherine's amazing life from the 25th to the 29th of January 2024. And if you hear any part of this festival coverage, do try and get down to Peterborough Cathedral to experience some of the events that we are covering. All the information for the events will be in the description below. And without further ado, let's get into this episode of the Catherine of Aragon Festival Special Series. So hello and welcome back to the History with Jackson podcast. This evening we are joined Dr. Onyeka Nubia. How are you doing? Hello, hello, yeah. guys, how are you? I just finished this lecture, so if I'm half asleep or half awake, please just let me yeah. know. But if you see me nodding, just... Yeah. <laughs> it was an absolutely riveting okay. lecture, I, yeah. I must say. What, I want to ask, though, what inspired you to look at Catherine, but also her legacy in this way? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. So I, I, I must be honest in the sense that the investigation into the Tudor period didn't begin with Catherine um, from my regard. It began with William Shakespeare. So I would look at plays, um, not necessarily Othello, because that's where everyone goes, but a play like Titus Andronicus, in which the character... Um, is Aaron, and he has these conversations with his audience. And I looked at those conversations and thought they're not really about second or third century Rome. It seems to be more about 15th or 16th century England. But how can it be about 15th and 16th century England? Because um, everything that I've learned about 15th and 16th century England thought that those sorts of conversations couldn't happen in 15th or 16th century England. In fact, you've got this you know, person of African descent called a Moor who's having these conversations with uh, essentially the audience around questions of ethnicity and ethnography. And I didn't think that it could be possible that that could be happening in 16th century England. So the play sort of made me think about ethnicity in the period and want to do research. Then that led me to looking at the monarchs, Henry VIII and Catherine, and thinking about what their ideas were, what, who were they in their entourage, who were their servants, you know, where did they come from, um, uh, who did they, who worked for them. And, of course, that investigation revealed people of African descent, you know, in various roles, um, working in their stables, playing musical instruments with them, uh, changing their beds, um, sometimes having relations with them. You know, the, 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 these people are present. And then, of course, the question then comes, if these people are connected to Catherine, as indeed people like Catalina de Montreal are, and John Blank, we believe, was, and others, uh, what was the community or nation that Catherine was coming from that she would bring these kind of people with her? And are these the only people present in English society at this time? Or are there other people of the same ethnicity who were present uh, in England at this time? Who, when did they start coming, etc.? And what was Catherine's relation to them? And what were the other monarchs' um, relationship to them? So all of it flowed on from that, from the simple question of 
looking at Shakespeare and looking at those conversations and then extrapolating. But then the, the hard research needs to go in because whilst you look at Shakespeare, which is fiction, and whilst you look at you know, court records, that doesn't necessarily tell us about an entire population. You have to do the hard work of going to the parishes and looking at the parishes and looking at the parish records and trying to read them and examining the parish records to find uh, uh, who you will find. Often what you don't, you don't find anybody at all. And, and <laughs> you, know, you might look for weeks and weeks or nobody that you could define um, within terms that we could now uh, define, look at. For example, there's one entry and um, there's an entry to, um, what's his name now? Lewis Barber. Yeah, yeah to, this, to this man, um, Lambert Waterson, that's his name. So there's a Lambert Waterson. Lambert Waterson is described as a barbarian tenant goeth to his parish church, he says. Lambert Waterson, a barbarian tenant goeth to his parish church. This is 15, 16, 17. What on earth does that mean? Lambert Waterson. Barbarian tenant, tenant, goeth to his parish. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? You know, and uh, you look at that record, and, and it's like it could be read in many different ways. What's a barbarian, and what does it relate to? Well, the barbarian is a you know a generic term describing or could describe a range of different people who don't happen to be Christian. Um, and, of course, it could have a geographical specificity because of the Barbary state, the Barbary Corsair, etc., which is North Africa, but it's not specific. And so those sorts of records, it's hard to say for sure where somebody is coming from, but one can say is that there's a question around ethnicity. And, of course, there are lots of records like that, but there are other records where it's quite clear. Um, there's Mary Phyllis of Morocco, A. Blackamoor, uh, and she's described as Mary Phyllis A. Blackamoor, the daughter of Phyllis of Morosco, a black and more. Uh, and then it talks about the place that they come from. It, that's quite plain, quite straightforward. But sometimes it's, it's, it's not clear, it's not plain. And looking at all of that requires sort of time and effort, you know, a lot of investigation and an ability to read English and French and, and Latin and these <laughs> other things. But, but, but yeah, it requires a lot of research. And for many, many years when you're doing this investigation and research, it doesn't yield anything that you can put together in a narrative. It's just lists of people and places. Only after many decades do you get a strong narrative. And I can see some of the difficulties in, in creating that research. But one, one part of your lecture, which I absolutely loved, and I thought it was a fantastic example of how to approach things as a historian, was that you offered definitions, and, and you've just done uh, one there, yes for key terms that you're defining and, and shaping your work around. Why do you feel it's important, and again, what, what is the definition as well for these key terms such as yeah. more yeah. Uh, and, and queen? Yeah. Well, because um, these are mod we have a modern interpretation of different words and phrases which work for us in the modern context of how we live now. doesn't mean that these modern contexts and these modern terms have value in the same sense when we look at the 15th or the 16th century. They're using other terms and other terminology. Often they're reading and writing in Latin anyway. But even when they write in English, um, in the English and their interpretation of it is different. But that can make sometimes people look back and say, we can't use modern terms, right? And I understand exactly what they mean. What I think is that we need to understand what these people are saying and what that meant to them. And then what does that mean to us? So those are two separate questions. The first question is, what do the people at the time mean by what they're saying? 
And then the second question is, what does it mean to us? These are two separate questions. Yeah. Right? So when they describe somebody as a black Amor, or when they describe Catalina de Mochel as a black Amor from Mochel in the Iberian Peninsula, and describe a video also as a black Amor, and these people are servants of Catherine of Aragon, what do these terms mean? Uh, and if they describe her as an escravo earlier, what does that mean? You know, what, what do these terms mean to them? And then we can work out, when we've worked that out, what does it mean to us? I think that use of etymology, but the two different approaches, really helps contextualise mm. the study um, and, and study of people mm. as well. But touching on contextualisation, you know, you've, you've brought in Catherine mm. uh, and, and people who she's bringing with her yes. to, to England. Mm. What is the, the situation in the Iberian Peninsula at that moment. I want to be careful about not using the word Spain yeah. for this. Yeah, it depends when. If we're talking at the time when Catherine was born, it, Spain didn't exist. Uh, her parents, her father and mother, are kings of two provinces, Aragon and Castile. Um, the southern part of the Iberian Peninsula is ruled by an independent Moorish kingdom. This is a Moorish kingdom ruled with Muslim uh, leadership. It's an extraordinarily ethnically diverse kingdom. It contains people of the Jewish faith. Um, even animists, uh, Muslims, and Protestant Christians <laughs> living in, in spaces in what is now Granada. Granada being a region that included places like Malaga, um, uh, the Alhambra. You know, these places were part of uh, this last Moorish kingdom and connected to previous kingdoms like Valencia, uh, Cordoba, etc., which had now fallen. Um, the southern portion, therefore, isn't Christian at all, and it's ruled by a completely different <laughs> set of people. Um, her father and mother commit themselves to the last stages, as they see it, of the Reconquesta, which is to conquer Granada and turn the whole of Spain Christian. That's what they commit to. And they engage in a series of conflicts to bring that into effect. This is all at the same time, of course, that Catherine is uh, you know, growing up. As a child, she, she's growing up in, uh, eventually in Granada and, and growing up in these places that her parents have conquered. Right? And so... Her existence is on the legacy of that conquest. You know, the idea that we can talk about a Spain comes about from her parents and their conquest that they, that they uh, committed. And this, of course, is inexplicably linked to Catherine of Aragon. But when we think about Catherine of Aragon, we often don't think about that history. We kind of take her in a kind of separate, as a separate narrative, that she fell from the sky. <laughs> and we know she's called Aragon, but we don't really know where Aragon is, and we don't know the place that she comes from. And we may presume um, you know, that Aragon could be on the moon for its relevance, but it has a relevance <laughs> because it explains why the culture of the Tudor period is so different from the culture of the medieval period. Because it is, what's happening in England is that there is this exchange taking place with the mores and customs of Western, Western Europe. And those mores and customs of Western Europe, many of those mores and customs have been influenced by Moorish traditions and cultures. And that is flowing through the Iberian Peninsula. And Catherine helps that to flow through England. And so the things that we consider to be very Tudor, like the Farthingale and, and uh, you know, a range of other things, uh, Moorish dancing and other things, or at least one version of the Moorish dance, um, comes through perspectives that are being influenced by these Moorish people that Catherine herself is helping to bring into these shores, helping to bring in the Spanish influence into English culture uh, and helping to shape the, 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 the Spanish, the English culture, so that the Tudors 
Certainly the later Tudors are very different from the early ones. And Catherine's cultural mores have a strong part to play in why they're so different. Um, of course, it might be uncomfortable emotionally to think about things like the Fardinger and to think that um, Moorish people in the Iberian Peninsula have in some ways been responsible for influencing what we might consider to be very English tradition. But it's <laughs> just how it is. Yeah. I, I love how you're you're challenging misconceptions yeah. of what things might be considered mm. quintessentially English, but mm. they're but they're not. And I love I love how you're you're taking that approach. I, I, I think it's I think it's difficult because I don't know if anything is quintessentially anything. But but um but I, I I know that people certainly do have an emotional attachment to something being so. Yeah. Um and, and so that they might emotionally attach to it, kind of sometimes out of ignorance or indifference, or sometimes um, um through a kind of I don't know. <laughs> fear of having an examination of something else. It's yeah. like, uh, okay, it's like this. Um, it, when we have, we look at our own family trees, uh, people say, you know, who, what's your family, Jackson? Who are your family? And people ask you that. People might ask you. You say, you might name your uncle, your aunt, or your mother, your grandmother. The people that you like, the people who are, you know, I had a you know, grandfather that fought in the First World War, he was a hero, or I had a you know, you know, a great grandfather fought, and the, you know, we, we talk about the people like, oh, my mother, she worked very hard, or whatever. There are other members of our family. There are other members <laughs> of our family that we don't think about. Doesn't mean they're not there. They are there, but we might not think about them. We might not want to talk about them. Um, we might not want. They're still part of our family, and this is the same with English history. Uh, people might want to think that they're all descended. Um, from uh, <laughs> Anglo-Saxons that came in the fifth century or descended from uh, Viking um, uh, heroes that came in the seventh or the eighth century or, or descended only from Norman rulers that came in the 11th century. Or, you know, but that's not, <laughs> <laughs> that's not uh, a history that it fully explains the history of this, this country. You know, this country's history is also full of Huguenots who came in hundreds of thousands um, from, from what is now modern-day France. It's full of Lascars, uh, Sephardi Jewish people who've come uh, from many periods of time, from the 11th century all the way through. Um, it is full of Moorish people, people of African descent that come from North, West, and East Africa into this country, you know, from the 4th or 3rd century AD all the way up till now. It's full of men, people of Asian descent who've been coming to this country for hundreds and hundreds of years. All of these various different people, and many, many, many more that I've not mentioned, go to make up um, the historiography of this country. It's not a question of recent immigration, but a question of the evidence and what the evidence says. But we might want to claim from an emotional perspective just the Normans, the Anglo-Saxons, and what have you, um, from a sake of an emotional attachment or from a sake of fear. But that doesn't mean that that's the actual history. I, I think that's that's a beautiful way of addressing English history. You've left me speechless on, on that on that point because I don't think there's anything to really add uh, or or, or highlight. You can highlight the whole thing, but I want to ask you one final fun question. Yes. Really, we're here for the Catherine of Aragon Festival. Yes. She is intrinsically linked with uh, with Peterborough. Yeah. And what is your favourite thing about <laughs> about Catherine? Okay. Okay, I, th I think one of the, the most interesting things about Catherine is that how, despite the divorce, she managed to maintain her dignity. You know, this is a, a person who's just been queen of England, you know, and had all that power and authority, and yet 
Um, she gets the divorce, she sees someone else take her place, and yet she manages to maintain her dignity. And I think that that is an incredible aspect of, of sort of stalwart, I don't know if stalwart is the word, um, kind of a determined, a kind of determination there, a kind of real resolve, steely resolve. And often nowadays in the modern age, when we think of resolve, we think of it in quite a, a resolve in that way, of strength being manifested you know, in a kind of physical form or a kind of bombastic form. But this is clearly a woman with enormous strength and enormous courage, enormous courage and strength. And she has the capacity to be able to survive. You know, and it, it, must, it must be in an extraordinary hostile environment. And I think that that is a remarkable thing that we can all learn from. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think she's a yeah. remarkably inspirational yeah. woman, especially yeah. with the way that Henry uh, had treated her in those, those last few years. Yeah. Now, all our listeners, having listened to yeah. this episode, are, are going to be biting at the bit to come and yeah. interact with you online yeah. and, and, yeah. and find out where they can grab copies of your books. Yeah. So where can they do that? So the book is called England's Other Countrymen, um, and uh, it's by myself. <laughs> and, uh, they can, uh, people would, might like to read it. Oh, they can, um, I think books are available through the ordinary sources. I, should I say it? Oh, yeah. Oh, Amazon. Yeah. I think you can get them through Amazon. Um, and there's quite a number of books out there, although they might think there's only a few. There's actually quite a few. Uh, where do I interact with them? That's probably the best way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah. So, and... Yeah, I think that would be the best way uh, okay. to interact. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure a link for your books in the description Absolutely. below so everyone can go and have a Fantastic. look and read more of your work. Brilliant. So thank you very much. Thank you, Jackson. <laughs>